The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. I want to talk with you today about being settled, being stable, being at rest in your inner person. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you are homebodies like me. Any homebodies out there? You know, I enjoy traveling, and last weekend Mel and I were in San Francisco, and I got to talk to a bunch of other pastors there, and that was great. And we had a lot of fun, but I never, I never sleep really well when we travel, and there's just nothing like after, you know, airports and security and baggage and shuttle buses and everything else. There's nothing like getting home, changing into your jammies, or we call them comfies in our house, changing into those, you know, comfortable home clothes, and laying down in your own nice clean bed, and you're settled, right? You're, you're settled. And Jesus talks about this for our souls. Uh, did you know that there's a place inside you, uh, your inner person, it's where your heart and your will and your emotions and your mind, they all intersect. It's this secret place that nobody else can go to unless you let them go there. It's a place, the ancient word for it is suke. You have a suke. It's your inner person. In modern man, his best attempt to, to try and help you with your suke is called psychology. Sukeology. They, they, they try, we try as humans to, to get in there and, and fix the soul and find rest for the soul. But the Bible, God's love letter, it describes to us that all of us have restless souls. That we're all unsettled until we come to Christ. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You'll be settled. Rest for your soul, your suke. No one else can give you that but Jesus. You can travel the world. You can meet world leaders. You can eat the finest foods. You can drink the most expensive wines. You can wear the nicest clothes. Your suke will not be settled by any of those things. You can even, if you really want to mess up your life, try the different drugs that make you feel everything or feel nothing. And none of those will give rest to your suke, your soul, your inner person. Only Jesus can do that. You see, your inner self will be unsettled until it finds rest in Christ alone. Your soul will be restless until it rests in Christ alone. I'm here today to help you find that rest for your soul. I, I want to spiritually take you by the hand and, and walk you to that place of peace and rest in Christ. The only place in the universe where you can find it in a lasting way. We're in Psalm chapter 62. If you have a copy of God's word, turn to Psalm chapter 62 with me. This is a psalm of King David. You guys remember the story of David and Goliath? David, as a young shepherd boy, with his sling and his stone, took out the giant enemy of God, Goliath. And then David became a king, and he was a celebrated hero. 
and actually became one of the most effective kings of Israel in all of world history and, and had, you know, huge castles and armies and, and chariots and, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to do whatever he wanted, but that didn't give rest to his soul any more than power and prestige and money can give rest to our souls today. They, they, they don't. It doesn't work. And so we find in many Psalms, King David talking to himself. And it sounds a little, you know, at first it's like, David, are you okay? Why are you talking to yourself? But he's talking to his suke. He's talking to his inner soul. And he's often telling his inner soul, soul, find your rest in God alone. Because nothing else can give rest to your soul. And that's what happens in today's text. And, and God has given it to us as kind of a path that we can walk. And like David, we can say, soul, find your rest in God alone. And, and my prayer for you today is that as we walk through this psalm together, we're going to go through the whole thing. Don't worry, it's a short psalm, okay? We're, as we go through this thing together, that, that you leave here today, and you say, yeah, I, I'm at rest internally, settled because of God and because of what God has done for me. Think about this. David says, find rest, O soul, in God alone. This word find, it's a powerful word. Think about finding for a moment. Finding means something is available if you'll search for it, right? When you, when you set out to find something, you know that, that whatever it is, it's there, but you're going to have to search for it to find it. Uh, maybe you can remember a time that you searched for your car keys or your spouse's car keys and you finally found them. Or maybe, you know, hopefully this hasn't happened to you, but we're all human, right? Maybe you remember a time that you lost one of your children and you had to search for them. Or maybe you remember being the child. That happened to me once when I was at Disney World with my family. I was, I don't know, six or seven years old. And I'm the youngest, and I was looking down at this pool that had all these uh, coins that people had thrown in, a wishing well kind of thing, and I was counting them up, and I turned around, and my family was gone. And, and they had just been telling me, it was like that time of life where they tell you, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to anyone you don't know. So I turn around, and, and they're gone, and everyone is a stranger, right? And so I, I sought for them. I, I searched for them uh, pretty aggressively. I wanted to give you guys a taste this morning of what it is to seek something that can be found. And so I have hidden in this room. It's true. I've hidden in this room eight gift cards to various establishments like Olive Garden and Subway and Starbucks. We'd do Chick-fil-A if we had one up here. But you'll have to search for them to find them. And if, if one is near you, it will be under your seat. So go ahead, search. There are things to be found. This is why I told you to move in the middle. I mean, if you're way out on the edges, you probably don't even bother, you know. That's what you get. <laughs> and, and if you are in the middle-ish and you don't find one on your seat, you can look in empty seats around you. Just don't, you know, shoulder people out of the way or anything. Let's keep it civil. Did, did anyone find one? 
Okay, I see a Subway one. Oh, I see some back there, the Demuaros. All right, congratulations. All right. You guys sought and you found, right? I mean, it was right there. It was sitting underneath you. But if you didn't seek for it, you never would have found it, right? And, and God says it's the same way with him. He says this in Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, if you seek me, you will find me when you search with all your heart. And if you haven't searched for God yet, search for him now. That's how I came to salvation. I would just pray at night, God, I don't know if you're even there. I don't know if you exist. But if you are, I want to know you. If you are and you made everything, I'd love to be your friend, right? Seek for God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek for him, you will find him if you search with your whole heart. And that day comes when you find him and you realize, wow, he was there the whole time. Like a prize hidden under my seat. I just never sought for God. So I never found him. And, and we seek God and we find him first for our salvation. And when we place our faith in Christ, we're secure in him. But then every day we have this choice. When, when troubles come into our lives or just the cares of this world to decide, am I going to seek my security today in God? Because it's there, it's available. Or am I going to seek for it in something else? Am I going to seek my comfort today in God? Or am I going to seek it in something else? And, and right now, I want to I walk you through this passage and help you say to yourself, soul, search for your rest in God alone. So let me pray over you real quick. Pray together with me. Let's ask God. Let's just say, God, I want to seek you, okay? Pray this with me in your heart. Father, we're here to seek you. And we believe your promise. You said if we seek you, we'll find you. So Lord, help each person in this room right now to seek you, to call out to you in their heart, in their, in their suke. Lord, whether we're calling out to you for the first time or the 50 millionth time, we we seek you today. We want to find rest for our souls in you. I'm going to read Psalm 62. and Well, let me say amen, because some of you freak out if I don't do that. Okay, amen. All right. I'm going to read Psalm 62. And if you want to close your eyes, because that's the way I am. I love to close my eyes and just have scripture read over me. It's like, you know, I don't know, sitting in a hot tub or something but some of you, Mel tells me, she says, John, don't have them all close their eyes while you read the, the verse or they fall asleep and their thoughts wander. So, you know, you know which camp you're in. Either way is fine. But if you want to just hear this read over you and just let it wash over your soul, feel free to close your eyes and I will not judge you, okay? But if you'd rather read along with me, we're in Psalm 62, finding rest for our souls, okay? Psalm 62, verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now David's going to describe some attacks that are coming against him. Maybe you felt this way. He says in verse three, how long will you assault me? How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David says these enemies want to knock me down. So how does he respond? Verse 5, find rest, O my soul, 
in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my mighty rock. Hear this for your soul. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Think of those people taking refuge in those storm cellars in Oklahoma. It's a refuge. Now David's going to talk about some things we typically look to, and it's a little poetic, but he says, verse 9, Low-born men are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, the high and the low class, they're only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you reward each person according to what he has done. Very quickly, I want to draw out for you seven things today that you can find if you will look for them in Christ alone. And by the way, you can open your eyes now, okay? Now I will know you're sleeping if you keep them closed at this point, okay? First thing you can only find in God, and you can find it if you look for it today, rest. Find rest in Christ alone. Verse 1, my soul finds rest in Christ alone. Rest from what? Well, rest from wondering if you're good enough. Rest from working so hard to take care of yourself. Rest from searching for approval. Rest from trying to earn your goodness. I got a Facebook message this last week from a supervisor that I had in college. I grew up in in some Christian circles that that taught the gospel really well. And and sometimes it went kind of like this. You're saved by grace alone through faith alone. You're saved not by anything you do. And that, that's the truth, okay? And then it would go like this. But once you're saved, now that you're saved, if you really want to be sanctified and holy, it is holiness by law. No more grace. Grace is for salvation, but sanctification, that's, that's through your, your, your works. And, and that's a tricky thing to parse out, but essentially, when you, when you live in an environment like that, it can make you feel like you constantly having to work for God's approval. Even though scripture says, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you don't have to work for his approval. In fact, scripture says, you can work as hard as you want for God's approval, and you're not going to get it on your works. Ephesians 2 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's by his grace that he saves us. And so I got a Facebook message from my supervisor at Christian College back years ago. And she Facebook messaged me and she said, John, this last Sunday at my church, I finally understood what grace is. I finally understood that I can't earn God's favor and Jesus earned it for me. And John, I finally realized that now I can rest in God. I don't have to keep trying to earn his favor. 
she said, John, I, I'm 30 something years old. I think I just became a Christian. I never really got this grace thing before. And that's what it's all about. Oh man, I just rejoiced with her. You know I mean? I don't even know where she lives. She's on the other side of the country. I haven't talked to her in years. And apparently she knows, you know, that's the message we preach here too. That's what God's word says. But if you're living thinking, I got to earn God's favor, I got to work for God's favor, your soul's going to be pretty restless. Not just restless, it's going to be pretty wiped out and worn out. Because it's trying to do something that's impossible. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, He who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. So yeah, your will matters and your choices matter. 2 Corinthians tells us you're now a new creation when you place your faith in Christ. So you walk in the newness of life. But you're not walking in the new life to try and make God like you. He already likes you. There's nothing you can do to make him stop liking you and loving you. And you walk in that newness of life. It's a path of joy and freedom as you follow Christ. And, and God saved you for that new path. But you don't walk on that path to try and earn his favor. And if you do, you get worn out. You get tired. So that's what rest for my friend Julie. That's what it meant for her soul. This phrase, in God alone. You know, my, my soul finds rest in God alone. It, it, it appears four times, this word alone, in this chapter. And it, what it's saying to us over and over is only God can fulfill the deep needs of your inner person. He alone can do that. So here's my question for you. In the realities of your life right now, what or who have you been looking to to bring rest to your soul? What or who have you thought, boy, if, you know, if I just get that or get to there or get that person or that relationship turns around, then I'll have rest for my soul. Well, pray for that thing. Bring it to God, but it's not going to give rest to your soul. Christ alone can give rest to your soul. And for some of you right now is a moment to just say, God, I'm going to turn right now. From, I've been looking to health. I've been looking to another person. I've been looking to a change in my circumstances to give rest to my soul. And God, right now I acknowledge only you can give that to me. And I want to find that in you. Do you need to know that you're valued? Find your value in Him. Do you need to know that you're affirmed? Find your affirmation in Him. Do you need to know that you're loved? Look to Him for that love. Because your soul can find those things in Him alone. Next thing that you can find in Christ alone today, if you, if you seek it, is your salvation. Find salvation in Christ alone. My salvation comes from him. And then many of you in here have already done this. And, and once you find your salvation in Christ, you don't have to keep re-asking him to be saved, okay? Because here's the way it works. Scripture says, when you come to God and, and you just humble yourself, that's, that's like the key thing with salvation is to humble yourself before God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I know my sins have separated me from you. But God, I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross. I want him to be in charge of my life. When you do that, Scripture says you're adopted into the family of God. And once you're adopted in, you're stuck in the family of God, right? You can run away like the prodigal son, but God's not going to unadopt you, okay? So, 
that moment in your life, and if you haven't had that moment, make it today. Scripture talks about the day of salvation. Maybe that's today for some of you. When you call out to God, uh, the Bible says this in Romans 10, verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, Jesus is God, and if you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, in other words, he died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he didn't just die, he rose again. He defeated sin and he defeated death. If you believe that, and if you confess him as your Lord, Romans 10, 9 says you will be saved. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said there are not many roads that lead to heaven. There's one, and it's, it's me. Jesus made bold claims. Read his words. But the way is open to everyone. Everyone who will humble themselves and stoop down and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus to save me. The way is open to you. If you don't know today that you have salvation, find your salvation in Christ alone. When I was on the plane last week when Mel and I were flying to San Francisco, I was reading my Bible, and the guy next to me said, oh, is that a Bible? I said, yeah, it is. Oh, I, I read my Bible a lot. I need to read it more. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And I was just trying to draw him out. And as I started drawing him out, it seemed like guilt and shame were the main things that motivated his pursuit of the Bible. And the more we talked, it came out, he identified himself as a Jehovah's Witness. And what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe is that Jesus wasn't God. He was a witness for God. And he worked really hard. And if you work really hard too, like Jesus, then you can get to Jehovah. And, it, and it's sad to see because they work really hard. And their souls are restless. And I got to take him to Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works. Nothing you can do. You can't earn salvation, but you can accept it as a free gift. Do you know today that you've accepted that free gift of salvation? You can only find it in Christ. Here's the next thing you can find in him alone if you'll seek it today. Stability. Find stability in Christ alone. Verse 2 says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. Because he's my fortress, I will never be shaken. He alone is my rock. Fortress. My refuge. I mean, think about that, you know, the, the tragedy of that tornado in Oklahoma. And, and the people who had storm shelters, they had a refuge they had a place that was designed for them to go in the tragedy, in the crisis, in the storm. And, and God says, I'm the only real refuge for your soul in the storms of life. You can stand out there and try to weather the storm in your own strength. You can look to other people or other things or other substances or whatever. But I'm the only refuge. I'm the only fortress. And don't you love it how David says, God, you are my fortress. You are my rock. And there's a possessiveness about it, right? He's not just saying, oh, God is a rock, the fortress. He's a great place for some other people. But no, David is speaking from experience. He says he's my place of hiding 
and safety and security. I mentioned before that David's a king. David was also a warrior. I mean, this is a grizzled, seasoned warrior. The, the kind of guy who, you know, is out there with a sword and a spear and a shield and, and the person next to him, you know, gets an arrow and, and falls to the ground. The kind of guy who, you know, blood spatters on him and stuff, right? I mean, he has seen, sorry guys, he has seen, but it's true. He's seen the, the real fights of life. And he has at his disposal thousands of warriors and chariots and horses, the most sophisticated weaponry of the day. He has castle walls. And he says, my security, my stability doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from God alone. Because he learned from experience, God alone is the only true stability. Are there some other things in your life that you've been looking to, some castle walls? You've been thinking, well, that's going to give me stability. And today you need to say, soul, find your stability in God. Those other things are, are sinking sand. They're not the solid rock. Next, we find confidence in Christ alone. Confidence. How does David have so much confidence in God? Well, because he ran to that shelter of God over and over and over. And every time he ran to God in a storm and God held him through it, his confidence grew stronger. God, wow, you are my refuge. You are my rock. You are my salvation. I can count on you. And the more you run to God, the more you say, soul, look to God to be your stability, the more your confidence in God grows because you see his faithfulness. In verses 3 and 4, David describes this attack that's coming against him. So this is not just confidence in general. This is confidence in the face of attack and opposition and difficulty. Isn't that when you most need a refuge or a high tower, a place to run to? Verses 3 and 4, David says, How long are you guys going to assault me? Would all of you throw me down? And at end of verse 3, he's, he describes himself as a leaning wall or a tottering fence. In other words, all this opposition is against me and I'm, I'm barely standing. Verse 4, he says, they fully intend to topple me. And these people, they, they lie about me. Have you ever felt that way? What in your life is trying to shake you and topple you right now? There's a member in our body who works in the medical field. Well, there's a lot of members in our bodies who work in the medical field. But one of them uh, just got out of a, it's been a five-year process, this um, lawsuit that was, was unjust and it was just from greedy people. And, and, and for a long time, very many of us have been praying, you know, God, deliver justice. Let this thing be thrown out. It's, it's not a just case. And for five years, she has fought against this thing day after day after day. And it was in the last week or two that right as the jury was about to be selected for the thing to go to trial, the judge threw the case out. After five years of what David describes in verses 3 and 4. And what a relief and answer to prayer it's been to her. But we all have some things like that, right? Someone might not be suing you, but we all have these oppositions, these things that want to knock us over, right? 
How do we handle them? The same way that David did. Verse 5, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. When you're opposed, when you're misunderstood, when you're attacked, when you're slandered, when you're lied against. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. When that trouble comes, practice verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, my inner person. Don't find your rest in what people think of you or in a drink or in getting some other thing. Those things cannot give rest to your soul. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Remember we talked about finding your car keys when you've misplaced them? You know, how, how well would it work if you lost your car keys and you said, you know, I think I'm just going to sit on the couch, catch up on some of my favorite TV shows, have a nice cold drink. I just know those keys are going to pop up somewhere. Well, I mean, they might if you lost them in the couch, right? If you get really lucky. But chances are, if you want to find your car keys, you got to look for them, right? At some point, you got to get up off that couch and start looking around. And David is saying to his soul, soul, all the security you need, all the rest you need, all the confidence you need is essentially an arm's length away. But you got to choose, soul, to say, find it in God alone. And until you make that choice, it's going to be unstable. He is my rock and my salvation, verse 6. He's my fortress. I will not be shaken. I know what's trying to shake you right now. If it's poor health, if it's work circumstances, if it's a loved one who's passed away or a loved one who's maybe turned against you or relationships broken, whatever that thing is that's trying to shake you right now, you can say like David, I will not be shaken. And you can say it not because your legs are so strong or because you've got it all together, but you can say it because in Christ you are a co-heir of God. Everything that is God's is yours. And you stand on the solid rock of Christ in your life. And so no matter how weak you are, the rock you're on is strong enough and you can say, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. And maybe you've fallen, but if you're in Christ and in his righteousness, you, you can always get back up again. Next, find comfort in Christ alone. Did you know that when you're hurting, God wants to comfort you? Did you know that? I forget this all the time. I'll, I'll need some comfort, and so I'll, I'll read the news. What am I expecting, you know? I do. I do. I, I don't realize I'm doing that. I'll think, why did I just read the news, check Facebook, check all these other things? I'm looking for some comfort. Like, I'm going to find it in any of those things, right? But, but we do that. And God says, I want to comfort you. He calls himself the comforter. He says, I'm near to the brokenhearted. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But your choice, are you going to look for your comfort in God? If you will, you'll certainly find it. Look at verse 8. 
Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. Trust in him at all times. So when there's, you know, when there's money in the bank and the bills are paid and the sun is shining and you're healthy, do you trust in him then? Well, yeah, it's still a choice. God, I'm still going to trust in you, even though things are pretty good in life. And then when there's no money in the bank, when you finally get the diagnosis and you think, I don't know if this treatment's even going to work and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. You still trust in him at all times, O oh people. It's a choice. Pour out your hearts to him. But for some of you, God's going to prompt you today, this afternoon, to just get out a piece of paper and just start pouring out your heart to God. It is so easy. God's just waiting to hear from you. If you're like me, it's so easy to just keep it bottled up and keep trying to address these problems in your soul through other things. And God says, just, just open the door. Pour out your heart to me. Some of you might need to, to write it out. Some of you might need to drive up the road by Thumb Butte or somewhere else out in the woods and just get out there by yourself and just talk physically to God and just pour out your heart to him. This is a fascinating thing that God says, pour out your heart to me. Because, you know, when you meet really important, powerful people, the way it usually works is you kind of get whisked into their presence. You've got a very limited amount of time. You, you make your point, and then you get whisked out of their presence, right? And if, if you got whisked into their presence, and you just started saying, oh, here's all the stuff that's going on in my life, man. I'm having a really tough day. It, you know, it probably will not go well for you with that person. They'll whisk you out of their presence, Right? Important people are busy people, and they're not safe people. They're not safe people to pour out your heart to. But here's the most important, powerful person in the universe. And he says, not only will I tolerate it if sometimes you pour out your heart to me, I actually invite it. I want you to. I want you to pour out your heart to me because I can give rest to your soul. So, so lay all those things on the table. I'll give you rest for your soul. Next, we find lasting security in Christ alone. Verses 9 and 10, David essentially very poetically says, well, there's lower class people and there's upper class people. The lower class people, like me, most of us, we're but a breath, right? That's it. The, high, the upper class people, the highborn, he says they're a lie. They're a lie. Because they live a life that pretends like they're something different than the lower class people, but they're actually not. They're just a lie. And when you add them together, it's just a breath. In other words, don't look for your security. Don't look for your rest for your soul. Don't look for your comfort or your fulfillment in status because it's a lie. And don't look for it in your longevity because we don't got it, okay? We don't have longevity. Our life is a breath. So, so David's giving some examples of what Jesus would call shifting sand. When Jesus says, the, the foolish man built this nice big house, you know, on quicksand or shifting sand, and it falls apart. But the wise man built his house on the rock. And David's given some examples here of the shifting sand, the places that we go hunting for rest and for meaning and for fulfillment. Verse 10, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Let me just say very briefly... You have a choice to set your heart. Do you realize that? You can set your heart. 
And David says, though your riches increase. And, and you know, if you're an American, there's probably going to be a time in your life when your riches increase. Some of you are like, nah, it's not going to happen to me. No, it, it will at some point. You'll, you know, get in a car accident and get some big settlement or you'll get an inheritance or at some point some resources are going to come your way just because of the country you live in. It's probably going to happen. Maybe it happens when you file your taxes. I don't know, okay? But when riches come, there's nothing wrong with the money, but don't set your heart on them, David says. It's sinking sand. Don't put your confidence in it. And, you know, I don't have time to unpack this, but let me give you, if, if you want to jot this down, how do you set your heart? You say, well, I don't want to set my heart on riches. I don't want to set my heart on pride. I don't want to set it on these other things. How do I set my heart? It's very simple. It's, it's what you look at, it's what you think about, and it's what you spend your money on. Those three things set your heart. First, what you look at, Second Corinthians 4 says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You want your heart on Jesus? Fix your eyes on him. You can literally fix your eyes on his word. Second, your mind. What do you set your mind on? That's going to set your heart. Romans 12 verse 1 says, this is how you live the, the new life, by having a renewed mind. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. How? By setting your mind on things above. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And then third, what you spend your money on sets your heart. Jesus said in Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's, a, it's spiritual physics. Wherever you put your treasure, your heart follows. Put a bunch of treasure in a vehicle, you're going to love that vehicle. Put a bunch of treasure into some property, you're going to love that property. Nothing wrong with that per se, but if you don't put any treasure in the kingdom of God, you're probably not going to have a ton of love for the kingdom of God. It's true with your spouse and your kids, too. Be stingy with your spouse and your kids, and you might find your heart following your treasure. Okay. Last thing. Find reward in Christ alone. Verse 11 and 12, David says, Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong. That you, O God, are loving. Surely you reward each person according to what he's done. We talk about this a lot here at Cornerstone, but do you realize that God, you know, there are strong people who are not loving and there are loving people who are not strong. That's typically how the world works, right? And God is both strong and loving, and he's a rewarder. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Seek him and you'll find him. Have you sought him earnestly lately? It means passionately, vigor with strength. Have you really been seeking God earnestly or have you been ignoring God or seeking him kind of so-so? He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Jesus tells a parable about a, a guy who finds a buried treasure in a field. So he goes and he sells everything he has so that he can buy the field where the treasure is. And he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So stop seeking all the other stuff and earnestly seek the kingdom of God. Matthew six thirty three, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and everything else will be added to you. All the other things you worry about, they'll fall into place when you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek him earnestly. Jack, last night, I'll close with this, sought me earnestly, okay? Uh, It was Jack's bedtime. I kind of wanted to work on the message. That's what I typically do on Saturday nights. So, and I almost always put Jack to bed. So, so Mel put him to bed, and he, he just, he was being bad, I guess. I'm not supposed to use that word, but he earnestly sought me, okay? He would not stay in his room, or if he stayed in his room, he just kept, you know. And so finally, I just went in there and, and laid down with him. I know he won, okay? Don't judge me. But I finally just went in and laid down with him and, and did our usual thing, you know, and kudos to Jack. I mean, you got to give it to the dude. He earnestly seeks what he wants, okay? And, and, and God says to you, earnestly seek me and you will find me and I will reward you. And so that's my question to you today. Where are you seeking rest for your soul? Where are you seeking stability? And right now, Let's just pray that together. God, we want to find those things in you. Would you pray with me? Father, you are strong and loving and you reward us. Thank you, Lord, that these are not empty words that we've read today. They are living and breathing and powerful and they divide into the middle of our spirit and our suke. Lord, speak to us. Turn our hearts to you. That we would find rest in God alone. Lord, those in here today who need comfort in their lives, let them find comfort in God alone. Those who need stability, they feel like that tottering wall, that fence that's about to tip over, let them find stability in you alone. Those who are looking for status, for affirmation, then find their value in you alone. Those of us, Lord, who are seeking reward, let us find that in you alone. Holy Spirit, would you continue to minister these truths to us as we we sing and then as we go from here, that this afternoon and tomorrow, we would be turning our souls to you to find rest because Lord you know we're weary you know we're burdened and you cry out to us come to me and I will give you rest thank you Jesus we love you amen thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott Arizona for more information visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com